0: Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church, and we're talking marriage and family. Uh, I'm probably going to ramble a little today. It's a, uh, a Friday, but I, I hope you'll be patient with me. I, I thought I could begin by just telling you a story. Uh, it's a story about me, actually, uh, me and laundry. So Martin and I have been married, I guess, 26 years now. And uh, I'm so thankful for the way that she served me all these years. And one of the ways she serves our family so well is by doing the laundry. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, one of the things I used to wonder uh, about the laundry, can you believe it? She does the laundry, and uh, I sometimes would wonder about the way in which she did the laundry. And this was earlier on in our marriage, but it's something kind of simple and, and silly, but I would uh, often find the socks in my sock drawer uh, inside out. And uh, when I found the socks in my sock drawer inside out, I would sometimes think, huh, I wonder why she doesn't turn them the right say right way out. Now, uh, eventually, after years and years, I guess somehow that came up in a conversation, that question, and uh, you know, it's been five or six years now, I would think, maybe more that um, Marta's always turned the socks the right, the right way out for me when she does the laundry. And again, I'm obviously so grateful for such a kind wife, but uh, the other day, uh, something hit me and, uh, I can't believe that I never thought about it before, and that's kind of the point. I, for many years, had wondered, why doesn't Marta turn the socks the right way when she does the laundry? And yet, never once, never once, I'm telling you, never once did I ask, why don't I turn the socks the right way when I put them in the laundry? It was like, honestly, a little bit of, of an epiphany. I had never stopped and looked at the world that way. Kind of shocking, right? And yet, you know, that's sometimes the way we live life. Like, there are things... Answers to our problems that are so obvious and yet it's almost impossible for us to see them because we are so locked in on a certain way of looking at the world that it's hard for us to think, to even conceive there might possibly be another way. One of the reasons why this is difficult, and I guess something that makes it even more difficult for us to see things differently, is because we grow up in a a certain culture. And our culture has discipled us, catechized us, trained us in a certain way of looking at the world and a certain way of thinking about how life is supposed to work. And often our culture does such a good job in teaching us how to think that that way of thinking becomes almost so absolute in our minds. It's like a, um, you might say, a non-negotiable. Maybe you can see this a little easier if you think about another culture. When we were living in Africa, um, there were uh, couples that we knew that were uh, having a difficult time getting married. So they were uh, dating or whatever you want to call it, and yet uh, they weren't getting married. And we would ask them, why are you not getting married? And the reason it was difficult for them to get married was because they had to pay something called the bola. And labola is a price the, the man has to pay to the wife's family in order to marry their daughter. And yet, of course, uh, that's not like in the rules of the government or anything. That's just a tradition, a, a cultural way of, of thinking and, and acting. And uh, sometimes the wife's family uh, would set the labola so high that uh, it was impossible for the person to the the man to be able to come up with that kind of money and of course you know coming from outside of that culture I would uh, ask uh, you know um, why don't you just get married without paying the libola and when I would ask a question like that it was almost like I was speaking a different language like uh, seriously that was uh, Pretty much Im- impossible, an impossible solution for them to uh, even imagine. Paying the libola was a non-negotiable, and actually, paying the libola was was such a non-negotiable that they were willing to suffer and and not get married if they weren't able to pay the libola. Uh, the the problem, of course, uh, and maybe you can see it, uh, the problem, of course, is when our culture gives us the wrong non-negotiables. And I guess that's, that's kind of the point. Our culture trains us in a certain way of thinking. It tells us this is how life works and this is what's important. And uh, sometimes it teaches us that Certain things are non-negotiables and those things become so important in our minds that we can't possibly look at doing life any other way. I, I, I guess uh, an example uh, for us, there are, are probably many uh, examples um, but an example for us maybe would be uh, saving for retirement. Saving for retirement is almost a non-negotiable in our culture, and yet sometimes saving for events 40 years from now uh, make we're, that that's such a, a non-negotiable in our minds that we don't do things that. We know actually are even more important biblically, like give or sacrifice sacrifice for others. The um, two non-negotiables, though, that I'm really probably most concerned about, as I've been thinking about life here in the United states and and our approach. I think two non-negotiables in people's minds, uh, two two things that uh, that most people are are so committed to that they don't even they don't even question are their own comfort and their own pleasure. We. Uh, we live in a culture where, uh, and in, and really in a time period, wh- where it's it's possible to be comfortable. Like, it's possible almost always to be comfortable. <laughs> and uh, we, we can almost always make a choice to be uh, comfortable. And uh, if we don't like something, um, we just... Obviously, we don't do it. It's not even like it's a, it's it's a question. I'm reading a, a book about uh, remembering death actually, and uh, they were saying, uh, you know, 100, 200 years ago, death was was everywhere. You always saw death. Like people died in their own homes. I, they're talking about Cotton Mather. I think he was a pastor in the 1700s or something. He had 14 children. 13 of them uh, died before he did. Only one lived longer than uh, Cotton Mather, and most of them, of course, died in uh, in the home. And so people saw death. It was it was everywhere. You couldn't get around it. And yet now, you know, where is where is death? We're not used to it. And it's not just death. That's the thing. I was just thinking about suffering and, and being uncomfortable. Uh, we, we, we were able to fashion our lives so that we can almost always, always be comfortable. And, as a result, we don't, we don't l- learn how to suffer for a while. We don't, we're not used to being uncomfortable. This was, I guess, one of the funny things, uh, I was reminded of on a trip to Malawi a number of years ago, I decided to take my uh, girls on the bus to Malawi. And one of the reasons why I did it that way was because I wanted them to learn how to wait. And uh, we didn't take a fancy bus or anything like that, just your your everyday bus. And we got on this bus and we were on the bus for maybe 36 hours, something, something that felt like forever. And uh, when we got on the bus, they just give us this bag of of chicken, it's like eight a.m. and that's the meal we get for the rest of the the trip. That was the big perk, I suppose. And they had a toilet in the bus, but the toilet didn't work. And you know, it was it was uncomfortable. It was long. It it actually to me it seemed kind of smelly. Uh, it, and yet, you know, as we were traveling hour after hour, something that I noticed, I noticed that I was pretty much the only person who was complaining, like. I was the only one who was who was really thinking this was super difficult and uh, it struck me you know uh, I wasn't used to uh, traveling that way and I was used to traveling in comfort and uh, they were doing a better job than I was and one of the reasons why they did a better job than I was doing was because they were used to being uncomfortable and of course i guess the 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 point is that because we're used to being uncomfortable because we're used to being comfortable and because we can always make choices uh, that and, and we make so many choices on the basis of our own pleasure that that creates some problems for us and it's a little tricky to talk about because obviously it's not wrong to be comfortable and it's not wrong to uh, choose to experience pleasure. But what happens, and this is this is issue, is when that becomes the non-negotiable, when that becomes the non-negotiable, like we can't even think about doing something else because our comfort and our pleasure is the non-negotiable. That does become a problem. And one th- reason it becomes a problem Uh, especially when it comes to living out the Christian life and even being a good husband or a good wife is because many relationships require being uncomfortable. (laughs) Like long-term relationships. If you're going to have really uh, God-honoring, life-changing, long-term relationships you're going to have to be able to put up with a lot of things that aren't necessarily your idea of what is going to bring you the most pleasure at that particular point. And uh, yet, you know, often we short-circuit those relationships. We don't even... We don't even get close. I was listening to someone today who's just talking almost about the epidemic of loneliness in the United States. And you meet a lot of people who are uh, growing older and they just don't have any really good friends. There's many people who would say, I don't have anybody who knows me. It's almost like they're complaining about that or just they recognize this is not the way it's supposed to be. And yet they're sort of in an impossible situation because you're never gonna get those kinds of relationships if your comfort is a non-negotiable. Like the only way to have those kinds of really transforming relationships is for something to be more important than your comfort and your pleasure. And yet, Of course, I know there are so many outs, uh, so many sort of excuses that we can give ourselves. And um, so many excuses other people will give us as well. And uh, one of the reasons why those excuses are so attractive is because being uncomfortable, uh, choosing something other than your own pleasure requires you dying to yourself it requires a a, a death a death to self i mean i think for example about philippians chapter 2 uh, because uh the uh, the bible isn't is, isn't sort of trying to hide this paul is pleading with Christians here, and it has to do with their relationships with one another. And he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Beautiful, but how? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, which is shocking. Paul is saying really that following Jesus means picking up your cross and saying no to yourself in the nitty gritty matters of life. Actually, considering someone else more significant than than yourself, and putting their interests above your own, and I'll tell you one thing about putting someone else else's interests above your own is that it's it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's often uh, not uh, not going to be something you do if it's your pleasure that matters most. And of course, uh, it makes you ask why the, the average unbeliever I, s- I suppose wouldn't really understand why we would ever die to self and that's why they have all kinds of excuses they can give us as to why we shouldn't but of course we're not unbelievers we've put our faith in jesus christ and so we look to him We look to him to save us, and we also look to him to learn how to live life. And he shows us how to live life. He holds out his hand to us, and he says, come follow me. And what does following Jesus require? It requires picking up your cross and dying to yourself day after day. Now, why in the world would you ever do that? Why would you ever make anything more important than your comfort and your pleasure? It's because Jesus is good and you are exercising your faith and trusting him. And you know that when he calls you to lose your life for his sake, he's calling you to do that because he loves you and he has something to offer you in its place and you know as uh, as christians we 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 not only have just the fact that jesus did this for us as a motivation to do this for others we also we we have the whole pattern like we have uh, proof that that this way of living actually not only glorifies god but but in a sense, you could say works because Jesus, what happened to him? He, he humbled himself for our good. He did not consider his, his right, in a sense, uh, as something to be grasped, but laid it aside and sought our interests and uh, didn't choose his comfort and didn't choose his pleasure and didn't act like that was the most important thing in the entire world and and died and it was painful you know he was on the cross with nails to his wrist of course that's painful but what happened after that he rose from the dead and that is the pattern that's the that's that's the pattern for the christian life really it's i choose to trust jesus and to die to my to myself and to not make my pleasure and my comfort the non-negotiable the most important thing But to consider Jesus's interests, which I know are going to be uh, your interests and your good. And so I seek your good and your interest. And that is painful, for sure. It's painful. Nobody's denying that. But I do that because I trust Jesus and I can see what happened with Jesus. And I know that God's going to be faithful. And what's going to happen is as I die to myself for the glory of God, after that there's going to be a kind of uh, a resurrection in a sense, there's going to be joy and and peace and uh, eternal rewards. Uh, ultimately, that uh, that result. And so, uh, I don't know. I I told you, I warned you uh, that I would do a, a little rambling. But we've been uh, talking about marriage, and we've been talking about our relationship with our spouse and. I guess I'm just uh, uh, kind of burdened that uh, if, if we don't learn a new way of, uh, of, of looking at life, uh, we're, we're not really going to be able to have the kinds of relationships that do us good and that bring honor to God. And yet that new way of life is really hard for us to see because we've been so trained by our culture to think of comfort and pleasure as absolute non-negotiables. And so I wanna say, look to Jesus. And uh, Jesus, of course, doesn't have a problem with comfort and pleasure. And so, yeah, be comfortable, experience pleasure to the glory of God, great. But watch out, don't make them non-negotiables. Don't make them non-negotiables. Because if your comfort and your pleasure comes first, if that's, that's what's gotta win in every situation, if that's really the primary thing that drives the decisions you make, uh, then you're not gonna be following Jesus. You might say you're a follower of Jesus, but you're gonna be walking the opposite direction. And, 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 of course, if, if you're not following Jesus, uh, you can't really expect to have a, a relationship with others and certainly not one with your spouse that brings him glory Or uh, that really is good for you. And so I I just want to ask, um, will you trust Jesus enough to look again? To look again. Maybe you've been uh, having problems. And you've always thought the solution was one thing, you know, for like me for uh, my spouse to fold the socks a different way and you've never you've never looked at life from another angle and realized wait there's actually another there's another solution